Elaine leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode, and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation, and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Manscaped.com. For those fellows that are reaching down there during the game, halftime, I know mine kind of gets to the point in the second quarter where I just need some comfort. You're reaching down, you feel a little bit of weeds. Why not get the Weed Whacker package from Manscaped.com? Use the promo code TEXANS. All right, guys, welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am James, and I'm joined by the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Jordan, a.k.a. Texans underscore thoughts. Um, Jordan, how you feeling? I'm doing great. I'm done with school. I got nothing to do but football this next three-ish weeks, so I'm doing great. How about you, James? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I'm under the weather a little bit, but we're going to fight through it because that's what we do. Uh, I love seeing you back in the Vancouver room. It's like memories to me of <laughs> us, us connecting in early April, yeah. having those conversations in that room. So that's uh, it's cool to see you in that same spot. It's the OG spot for sure. I'm in Toronto now. Um, Toronto. To home. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. All right. So, um, you know, you guys know where to follow us. So you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Houston FP Pod. Uh, you can follow me on on Twitter and uh, Instagram at Houston FB Pod Guy. You can follow Jordan at Texans underscore Thoughts. You can follow Patrick Storm at Patrick Storm TU. You can follow Jair at Jair Sports TU um, or JRL Sports TU. And then you can follow John, who is gone for the last week, I believe, um, as he had a baby. They're doing great. He's enjoying the time away. It's 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 just uh, just enjoying the the new baby. So that's awesome. Um, you can follow John at John A Wade three. Uh, make sure you guys go to our amazing website uh, built by uh, Cody, who's actually going to be uh, moving us over to a, a new a new platform uh, within by the end of the month. So that's great. Uh, trying to think of anything else. Make sure you guys go to manscaped.com. Use promo code Texans for all your weed whackers and lawnmower 3.0s and just that that little area down there that you tend to ignore outside of the shower. You can't let it get out of control. Make sure you go down there and just just we- whack the weeds. Whack the weeds. You whack the other thing. Why not the weeds? Huh. Mm. All right. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, Lord. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right. The, the Bears game. Uh, not much to talk about. Um, look, the Bears game is the Bears game. I, I do want to – I want to talk about this. So we know that they sucked on Sunday. We know Deshaun wasn't in it. It looked like they were playing uninspired football. I'm going to ask you this, Jordan. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the the article that came out last week in regards to Jack Easterby um, maybe played a part in some of the uninspired football that we saw on Sunday? The, the players did not look as engaged as they normally did. They didn't look as engaged pregame either. Um, what do you, what are your thoughts on that that aspect of it? I think it's possible. I hear where you're coming from. I don't think it's the major reason though. I think. Everything that we just got to learn about Joke used to be in that article, it's something that the players already knew for the most part. Maybe not every single last detail, but the things you talk about where a player is getting stalked, like 
if one player, if that happens to one player, like the rest of them know that, right? So I think yeah. they all know how horrible of a person Joe used to be is. Um, so I don't think it was like the deciding factor for that. I think it's just at this point in the season, like guys are here to collect checks. You know, it, it is what it is. When you've got nothing to play for, like what's the point? Just get out of there healthy. Like so, I totally get where they're coming from. Um, but I, I hear you. It's it, possible from that article. Is that is that what you're kind of leaning? Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying that it's it's fully that. Um, I do think that you know I read an article about how it was kind of them sending a message, in the mm. sense of like we know about the big article. We also know about everything else that's happening within the uh, within the organization. Um, and I think it's more or less like we're, we're out of it. And I don't know. We we just weren't, we weren't inspired. I, but I also agree with Sup Seven. I think just tired of losing probably two plays apart. Yeah. Um, I do I do want to address this though real quick. No matter what, mm-hmm. sun in his eyes or not sun in his eyes, mm-hmm. okay, it is never Kahale over Akins. Never, <laughs> <laughs> ever. Um. All right. So look, the game's the game. I don't want to spend a ton of time on it. I actually don't want to spend any more time on it. What I want to do is. <laughs> have a conversation about something that we haven't had a real long conversation about. And that's what I want the most, most of this part. I think me and you are both very in tune with the top candidates. I think we have a very good understanding of what we're looking for in the next head coach. And so what I wanted to do was talk about where we should go and what candidates we should be looking at most. And I, I think that's probably the most intriguing aspect to the listeners right now is just understanding where we're going in the future. Um, I don't know what that is on the left of my screen, but um, anyways, um, so let's talk about that. I, I've seen recently from you a big, big push for Robert Sally, 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 Sala, Sala. Yeah. Um, um, talk to me a little bit about him. I know, I know everybody's really high on him right now. Um, but tell me your thoughts. What is it that you find most appealing about Robert Sala? Yeah, so I, I go back and forth on these candidates. The more and more I research, the more and more I learn, the more and more I talk to different people and, and learn different things. And for me right now, it's it's Biennemi and Salah, number one and two. They're basically 1A, 1B. Um, it's a very small gap. But with Salah, the thing that really stands out to me is, like, I think a lot of people have said it's like, with the head coach, like, it's not necessarily how good you are with your X's and O's. It's not necessarily how good of a play caller you are. But it's how good of a leader you are. Can you command a locker room? Can you get guys to want to play for you, to want to run through that wall for you? And I don't think there's a better candidate out there than Robert Sala. He has rave reviews, whether it's from people that he worked with, whether it's from his players. You hear Richard Sherman talk about him in his press conferences, and, and he's glowing. Like, that's his guy. He wants to go bat for him, right? And it's not like it's just any players. It's Richard Sherman of all guys. He's a very well-respected leader. And so I think that is the number one quality that Robert Sala can bring to this team because I don't like hearing the word culture because we have such a negative connotation from it, from Bill O'Brien saying culture and stuff like that. But it's true. This team needs a culture overhaul. The culture of this team is not great right now. Players don't want to play for this team, really. Players don't really want to play for each other. That's what it seems like when we see the product out there on the field. And Robert Sala is that guy to instill confidence in his players, to want them to to feel pride every time they put on the Texans uniform and, and want them to go get a dub. He's going to install the winning culture, and that's that's my major um, benefit with Robert Sala. Okay. Um, 
I like I like Sala. Um, you know, it took some time for me to get you know kind of on the on the bandwagon that everybody else is on. I <clears throat> entering the year, you know, I thought it was very hard to uh, really point at him and say he's he's the main he's the main guy he's the reason why this defense is performing and a lot of it had to do with just so there was so much talent on that right. Niners defense I mean there's so much and then this year you see the injuries that they're going through and what they do to the top tier offenses in the NFL and and yeah he has some you know mess ups Miami uh, one of them. Uh, but Miami's a totally different team that I don't think anybody expected to come in this year and, and be as good as they are. Um, so, you know, with the injuries that, that he's had and, and what he's been able to do to kind of maneuver through those injuries is very telling. Um, and I agree. I think from a cultural standpoint, I think from a leader of men perspective, mm-hmm. he is that. He, he's exactly that. Uh, he's a he's a fiery guy, which at first I downplayed because it looked very corny at times, and I think also because a lot of people would use that as their their reason. Yeah, you know, they would they they would say they would say, oh look how fiery he is on the sideline. Yeah, I don't care. It's about like that. I I don't I don't I don't I don't necessarily care about it, but I think I think what it is is it's a it's a continuation of what he is also in the locker room, and it just carries on to the field. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's more of him just being genuine. It's not that he's out there doing it so he can be on the sideline or on the cameras on Monday Night Football or anything like that. It's just I think ultimately that's just who he is. I also think just from a a coaching staff perspective, I don't know if there's another candidate that can put together a coaching staff that makes you feel better about both sides of the ball in the way that Sally can. Um I, I, I think he his roots and his ties to the Shanahan tree um, are very interesting because, you know, a lot of people – I've seen a lot of people go back and forth about Shanahan and they don't want to see Deshaun in the Shanahan West Coast-type offense. Yep. Um, and I totally, I totally understand that. But then when you look at the quarterbacks that have typically been in those types of offenses, none of them have been the tier of Deshaun Watson. Uh, I, I think Deshaun Watson takes that offense to a whole nother level, to be honest with you. I think with the misdirections and the creative run schemes that they have, um, the short pass game, uh, and and you also got to think about what they've been able to do on offense prior to all the wide receivers they've they've had, you know, with now with Debo Samuel and um, got him drawn total blank. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, <clears throat> George Kittle. There's one other guy, but anyways, um, they they have an influx of, of talent now at the wide receiver position, and yet they're still able to do so much on, on in the passing game and the run game. I, I would love to see a Shanahan led offense, and then when you look at the defensive side, I mean, we need a guy that can come in and scheme. I, I, I we we talk about scheme over talent quite a bit on this show. We we kind of always have. It's always been about the scheme, not the players. And when you look at this roster on defense, and then you look at what happens on Sunday, it, it's sure talent is not there. I'll, I'll be the first one to admit it. There's not a lot of talent on defense for the Texans, but a lot of it also has to do with scheme and coaching. There's a lack of it, and a lot of our issues could be fixed by just a proper coach and a proper scheme. Uh, and, and I feel like he brings that to this defense. And while we may not go from 32nd to you know 12. 
I do think 32nd to 22, 23, 21, I, I think that's reasonable just with proper coaching and, and kind of sticking to the fundamentals. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Robert Saul is actually who I'm looking at this week, really diving in, writing an article about him, make a video about him. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to turn myself into the Robert Sala expert for this week. And when I'm looking at his history and everything that he's done, like when he first came to be the, the defensive coordinator for the Niners, he was inheriting the 32nd ranked defense in the NFL, worst defense in the NFL. And that's essentially where we're at. So if we try and compare apples to apples, like what can he do with a lack of talent, like you're saying? Like, and first two seasons, they didn't make a whole lot of progress. I think they said exactly to your point, they were around like 24 or 21st. That's where they ended up after two seasons. And, and it looked like Sala was, he was on the hot seat. I was reading reports like he was possible he could be a scapegoat for if the if the Shanahan um, hire didn't work out they could blame it on Salah and they would have fired him and so he was on the hot seat. But you go into that 2019 year and he gets an entirely new defense essentially like so much so much talent and elite talent at that and that's what worries me. We're going off of that one 2019 year and then this 2020 year where. Yeah, he's he's lost some injuries, he's lost some guys, but their defense is, is still better than ours. Like, their B team is still better than our A team, in my opinion, on yeah. defense, purely. Um, and so when I wanted to, like, kind of analyze and break down, like, how much of his defense is, is scheme over talent, I there's some things that I look for, and I'm feeling like I'm not seeing a whole lot from him from his scheme, from his, like, X's and O's wise. Like, I wasn't very impressed, to be completely honest. Hmm. Um, I didn't like his ability to adjust. Um, I'll talk about it more in, in my article, in my video. It's probably not enough time in this video, but I didn't like his, his ability to adjust to other offensive game plans. I thought that he was a little stubborn, a little vanilla with his defenses. But all that being said, it's not a deciding factor for me. Like, yes, his schemes may not be the biggest part, but for me, like, defense is a lot of just stacking talent, and so I think that will help him the most. And even if he's not the best X's and O's guys, like you don't need to be that, like I said earlier, as a head coach. You don't need to be the best for defense. And so I think the positives of him still definitely outweigh the negatives that I that I did find um, with his scheme. Interesting. So uh, mm-hmm. what about the, the coaching staff that he can bring? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, hear, I hear you out. I think he can – not only can he bring the best coaching staff, uh, but he also has ties to the best GM in Ed Dodds. They work together in Seattle. And so I think either he or Matt Eberflus could bring Ed Dodds. They could work together. That'd be a great pair. You need to have the GM to to have the shared vision with the head coach and get him the pieces that he needs, right? So I think that's a huge part of the equation as well. Um, but with the with the whole Shanahan coaching tree, I'm actually I'm kind of against you. I kind of I hear where the people are coming from. I don't I don't want Deshaun in, in the Shanahan system. It, it wouldn't be my first choice. Would I be mad if we go that route? No, of course not. Like you said, look at the quarterbacks that they've done with that they've done this with. Kevin Stefanski with with Baker Mayfield, Arthur Smith with Ryan Tannehill. None of them are near Deshaun's level. But we've also seen how dominant Deshaun can be in this shotgun heavy, spread offense, five wide offense, which is the type of offense that the Chiefs run with Eric Bieniemy, the types of offense that the Bills run with Brian Dabble. And so those are the offenses I'd like to see him in because we already know that he's elite and we already know that he's comfortable in those systems. And so I just don't want him to have to learn and adapt a new system, which he totally can do. Totally. I have no doubt that he can do it, but why make it harder on him? That's my only thing. Interesting. Okay. No, those are all good points. Um, I'm excited to see the article this week. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's go to – I'm going to let you kick this one off because everybody's heard me talk about him enough. <laughs> um 
But this handsome fellow right here would be a. Um, I, I think you. Is that why? Is that why you might say the glasses? The he kind of does. He kind of. I mean, he looks <laughs> like Ryan Gosling. But yeah, sure. Oh. Uh, I'll take it. Um, mm-hmm. No, no. You know, I, I think with Brady, with Joe Brady, um, I just think. It, uh, how do I say it? I feel like if you can't, if you don't hire him now, it's going to be one of those things where you look back and you had an opportunity to. And because you're going to be under a new coach, you're you're going to miss that opportunity at a later date. And I think that's really the biggest thing that that bought, that like makes me think like, okay, we're going to have to learn with him. We're going to have to struggle the year or two it takes for him to get up to speed. But then I think once things start to click, and when I mean struggle, I still mean like nine and seven, you know, playoff runs. But it's it's more of are we contenders? Um. So that's it for me, but I'm going to let you take the, the Joe Brady. I, I know you haven't wrote about him yet. I know you haven't done a ton of research on him, mm-hmm. um, but I want to hear your thoughts on Joe Brady. Yeah, so with Brady, I, I totally get the hype. Of course you want to get the next Sean McVay. You want to get the next Kyle Shanahan. Um, but those those hires, they were made where the candidate, they had a lot more experience than Joe Brady does right now. And And to your point, like, he he is likely going to struggle. It's it's just unheard of that someone that young with that little experience can translate to a head coach that quickly. And so I'm with you. Like he's someone who in the future, yeah, three to five years, he's going to be a hell of a head coach probably. But right now, there's more experienced candidates out there, and he kind of falls into the same same um, bag as as Brandon Staley, the Rams defensive coordinator, who's getting a ton of hype right now. Where these guys, like, yeah, they're the bright minds of the future. Um, but it's just too soon for right now. And, and you want to take a risk with that, with possibly setting your team back a year or two longer than a normal head coach change. Do you want to take that risk? Do you want to show Deshaun Watson that, like, I don't know, that's the thing. Like, you, you preach stability with Deshaun Watson. Uh, do you want to take a risk like that, or do you want to take the stable hire with more experience? And so I like Brady's scheme. I love what he's done with LSU, with the Saints, with um, the Panthers. But it's also only one year of real NFL experience as an offense coordinator. And it's also the big question is, like, is he actually going to leave? Um, and I don't think he's going to want to leave Matt Rule and the Panthers. I think they're building something really great right there. So I don't think he's going to leave after one year. That's my thoughts. So, let me ask you this, Jordan. Um, would you take a year or two of learning if it meant eight to ten years of head coaching? Or would you rather, you know, go down, you know, these other paths? Well, that's the thing. You, you don't know that you Joe don't. Brady is going to get you eight to ten years. You don't know that Eric Bieniemy, Robert Sala, or Brian Dabble isn't going to get you eight to ten years. You don't. And so it's a risk. And for me, I don't want to be in a position where I'm taking a big risk. Okay. I think these guys, I think your Bieniemy, your Sala, your Dabble, your Eberflus, they still have a high ceiling. It's not like they don't have as high of a ceiling as Joe Brady. They still have a high ceiling but they're just already more proven. They already have more reviews. They've already been getting interviews for head coaches, stuff like that. They've been in the cycle, and I think they're just um, – what's the word? Uh, I, I can't think of the word, but they're more um, reputable. Okay. That makes sense. No, it makes total sense. Um, yeah. I totally understand it, and I, I don't – I'm not trying to dismiss the other candidates. I, I do think that there's a good chance that um, – I don't know about Dabble anymore with his ties to Easterby. Um mm-hmm probably be the biggest reason probably if I had a knock on dabble now, uh, now that I know his ties, that'd probably be the only knock I really have on him. Me too. Um, Salah, you know, 
definitely – I guess the concern for me is really the biggest – like from an adjustment perspective, you know, just – I don't watch – I haven't watched a ton of him. But when I think back to the Super Bowl and the lack of adjustments made in the second half in a big game, yeah, that's usually that that to me is very telling um, of a of a Bill O'Brien esque type coach who gets in his own way of 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 things. His system works what he believes works. You don't need to tell him anything. So that that's a part that that that's like probably my biggest concern with Salah. And then I guess let's talk about. Eric Bieniemy, uh, he's the hottest name in all of coaching. Um, it's it's who all the players want. It's um, it's somebody that is on a list, uh, a very short list, and at the top of a lot of those lists for almost everybody. I just i I can't get behind it because I just don't know what he's fully responsible for, and I think ultimately. What what bothers me is it's not even that. It's the fact that he's been in the league for 20 years and not until he gets to Kansas City and has the roster that they have on offense is his name brought up as a head coaching candidate. And ultimately, that's my biggest concern is if you do something well, sure, I, I totally understand the Rooney rule and I totally understand him being a blackhead coach. That probably does play a part. There's no way it doesn't. But after the amount of time he has spent – in this league. And then when you look at what he did in Colorado as an OC, I think he, I think he ranked like dead last one year and then like fifth to last the second year as an OC. I just haven't seen a lot that makes me feel confident that he is a guy that is going to be able to lead us and, and, and be here for a while. Mm. That's, that's a hard thing. I mean, you say that he does, he has, so he has experience, but he doesn't have climb the ladder experience is basically what you're saying, right? Like I know he was like a running backs coach for, for majority of his, his career. And that led to a couple opportunities, but um, what, okay. So you say that you wouldn't like, you don't have confidence that he's going to be here for a long time. So what, what in Joe Brady instills that confidence in you? I'm just trying to see. <clears throat> well, so this is going to sound super pre- prejudiced and not in the race way, but age wise, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. It's a mantra that's been around forever. And it typically is true. It's very hard for someone who is older to change their habits, to change their outlook, and to change their perspective. And when you're young, you have to adapt. You're still learning life. You're still learning things. You're still adapting to that new surroundings. You're going through it now in college, right? You're, you're moving back and forth. from. You're learning who you are as a man. You're, you're figuring that path out. And you'll learn as you get older that the more adaptable and flexible you can be, uh, the more successful you'll be because you're not getting in your own way. And so when I look at Joe Brady, I think that it is age discrimination. (laughs) And luckily I'm not making the hire. But um, So no HR cases for me. But um, that's really the part that that probably stands out the most to me between him and, and Joe Brady is the fact that Joe Brady was born in 1989. So he's 31 this year, Bien-Ami's very young. I just checked and Bienemy's 51. What is he going like? Is he going to be able to adapt? Is he going to be able to change? If things aren't working, is he going to be able to look outside the box and bring in creative new ways? Those aren't what old people do. That's not. 
They, they go with what they know, and that's what makes them comfortable. And I don't see that with Brady. I don't see that with even Salah or Eberflus, even though they're not younger like Brady. I, I, I don't know. He's just been in the league for so long, 20 years. It's a long time. Um, so, yeah, that's 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 really the biggest thing for me. Um, and I don't know if that actually answers your question or not, but that's that's it for me. I hear where you're coming from. I get it. I get the concerns with B enemy. I think kind of speaking to his adaptability, I don't think like, like you said, it's like age discrimination. Like it's hard to just kind of put everyone in the same box, say all 50 year old head coaches have the same mindset, right? right. Look at Andy Reid. Like he's been in the league so long and, and he's had poor times with teams. He's had a lot of failures. Yep. But he's old now and he's adjusted. And he's hired different guys. He's changed things up. And, and he, yes, he's always had the root of his schemes. That's always been the driver of his success. But he's gotten better at things. I don't think we can kind of hold someone's age against them and, and say that that's the end-all, be-all. Like they can't improve. Not like can't improve, but can't adapt. Let me ask you this real quick as you continue. Um, is he the rule or the exception, though? Because when you look around the league and you see these older coaches, why are most of them fired? Because they can't win, and, I guess and they, they don't make they don't pull the trigger and don't make a big change. That's what they usually don't at. adapt. I guess ultimately is is what it comes down to. But go ahead. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you look at Belichick. You look at even Tony says in the chat, Saban. Like there, it's there's always going to be super successful young coaches, and then there's also always going to be super successful old coaches who use that experience and are still adaptable and, and are willing to do that. And I guess that's a question that, that we can't know. We can't speculate and we can't figure out that answer 100%. It's, it's definitely right. a valid concern, but that's not something that we'll learn. That's probably only something that Cal McNair is going to learn, right, in the interview process. And maybe maybe to your point, maybe that's why Eric Bieniemy he's had all these head coaching interviews and it just hasn't worked out. Maybe that's the part of the equation. But for me, I think to kind of go down the, the Andy Reid um, route and like what is Eric Bieniemy responsible for this offense how much control does he have over this offense is he calling plays he's not calling plays Andy Reid has never said that Eric Bieniemy calls plays Eric Bieniemy has never said that Eric Bieniemy calls plays but what I do know from doing research and, and it's, it's out there you can do the research yourself if you're listening but they they get together every week and they put the game plan together it's not just Andy Reid saying hey this is our play sheet um, this is what we're going to roll with I'm going to tell you play and then you're going to tell Pat that's not it they come up with it together. They come up with every every play they want to add to their play sheet. And so there's a collaborative effort to there. And we'll never fully know 100% how good of a play caller he is until we hire him, right? I get the fear in that. But if you look at what that offense has done, it's amazing things. And I don't have to get into all of it because we all know how amazing that offense is. And I think it's something to, as as someone who wants to learn, as like an offense coordinator type, you want to learn from a head coach, like you want to learn from Andy Reid. He has a hell of a scheme. Right, I think Andy Reid is is a Shanahan level type of genius, um, but we just haven't seen that many disciples kind of come out of him like the Shanahan tree has, and and I get that's where the worry comes from, but I don't think that means you can hold every other next Andy Reid disciple. I don't think you can hold that against them, right? I think learning you want to learn from the best, and I think that's what Eric Bieniemy has gotten so far. Yeah, I'm not. Um... I'll make I'll troll people who are like specifically I'll troll Swan and and Larry and Stafford because they're so on the BNME um, bandwagon that they don't consider other candidates. Um, but for me, I don't really care that he has a call place. To be honest with you, 
I don't want another play calling head coach. Yeah, he might not for us. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't want him to. I, I can honestly care less if he has called plays. If he's installing game plans and implementing them and coaching them and building the scheme, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I'd prefer that to be honest with you than Eric Bieniemy to come in, build the scheme, implement, and then also call plays. I think that's too much. We just saw what happens when you have a head coach that does that. Um, so ultimately, I, I can give two shits if he calls plays or doesn't call plays. Um, it's nothing that that uh, defers me away from him. I just – it's very rare that you see somebody just in business in general after 20 years of doing something finally get the big promotion and succeed at a high level. Mm-hmm. No matter the business, it's just a very rare thing. If it took that long, there's usually a reason. And that's that's the biggest – that's the biggest issue I have. That's really ultimately what it boils down to is, is that. That's fair. That's fair. I, I get where you're coming from. Um, 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contract the moment you sponsor a job making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best available offer anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for the game day, no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Uh, I don't know what else to say about Eric Bannemi, to be honest with There's you. There's not much more you can There's say. not much yeah. more. No. Um, I, I, Bill O'Brien in the chat. Thank God for Bill. Uh, stability is – I remember I even mentioned this to you. I mean, stability really is like the biggest thing for this entire organization. Yep. Nothing else truly matters. Um, all right, I guess the other one, uh, Brian Dabble um, – I mean, look, you look at what he's done in Buffalo with Josh Allen, who I don't think people realize how raw of a prospect Josh Allen actually was coming out of college. He was not a finished product in any way. He was a guy that some thought would go in the second or third round originally. ton of arm talent, uh, but that's really kind of where it ended. Uh, and then when you look at what he, the steps he's taken from his rookie year all the way to now, uh, you know, he's in the MVP conversation the bills team is on a path that i don't think anybody expected if you would have said three years ago that this is where the bills would be based on history there's no reason for him to to think that the bills are doing a ton 
And, um, yeah, and, and Tony's right. Like, what he did with Tua yeah. and Jalen, uh, big part two. But I, I think Dabble is, is such an interesting prospect. But he has ties to Jack Easterby, and given what we've seen and heard, I, I just don't know if I don't know if that's something I can get over. I don't know if I can either. And in that big article, apparently he was the guy who brought Easterby to New England. So he, it's not even like he was just part of the New England organization and he was just kind of complicit with everything that Easterby did. It's not even like that because a lot of people got fooled. A lot of people in the entire Pats organization got fooled for years, right? But he was the guy who like clearly recommended him. So clearly he has a very close relationship with Joe Easterby, possibly even closer than he does with Cal McNair, than Joe Easterby does with Cal McNair, right? So that's a very scary factor for sure. I hear you on that. And I think I'll get to my other kind of negative about him and then I'll, I'll get into my positives because I do like him a lot. Um, my other negative is that I don't know that he's kind of the leader of men that we hear that the Robert Salas of the world, the Eric Bienemies, the Matt Eberflusses, I don't think he's that level of leader that those other guys are. We don't hear a lot of quotes of, of Josh Allen praising um, Brian Dabble or the other players praising Brian Dabble, right? You don't hear it as much with Dabble as the other guys. And so that worries me, number one, because that is a big thing I'm looking for in a head coach. Um, but then if you look past those two negatives, kind of the, kind of the, my argument for Brian Dabble, like you said, like it's his, he's an offensive genius in my mind. I think he is the most adaptable um, willingness to adapt his scheme to personnel. I think if you look at his time in the Bills, when he got there with Josh Allen as a rookie, that offense was, they didn't have weapons. Josh Allen couldn't throw the ball past 10 yards down the field. And they didn't have a horrible offense at the end of the day. Brian Dabble molded his scheme. He went very RPO heavy. He went very quick game heavy. He relied on a run game because they had a strong offensive line at the time. And he made it work. And it wasn't until Josh Allen made the improvements where now he can actually throw the ball deep. That's when Brian Dabble adjusted his scheme, and now they attack deep a whole ton. And so I think there's examples of him being adaptable to his talent, and that even goes back to Alabama, um, where he's done a lot of RPO stuff, and he played to his guys' strengths. And, and we love that. That's what we want, right? Um, and then the last thing with his – he's got tons of experience, and he's got winning experience. He's been with the Patriots for a while, so he knows what it means to – he knows what it takes to win at the highest level, and he's also won a national championship with Alabama, and now he's successful with the Bills. So the question here is, like, is he a guy who, who helps bring success? Is he a guy who adds up to that success formula, or is he kind of just riding the coattails of Bill Belichick, of Nick Saban, of Sean McDermott, right? That's the big question that I think we have to answer with Brian Dabble, and, and I don't know personally. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I, I'd like to go based off of – you know, recent success more than anything, and specifically what he's done with a, with the quarterback. Um, <clears throat> as you know, you look at the quarterback we have here, and uh, I think everybody in the chat and everybody in Texans, you know, Twitterverse or fanverse or whatever would would take Deshaun Watson over Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. So I, I can only imagine what he could also do for Deshaun. Um, and I think ultimately that's kind of what it's coming down to for me is just maximizing Deshaun. I just can't shake the, the Jack Easterby part of it. That's that's going to be a really hard thing for me to overcome. Um, but like I said, I, I, you know, two weeks ago, I think me and you were talking, and it was like, ah, we're putting the whole Jack Easterby thing to the side. You know, no, don't really know if he's this TV reality guy that we thought. You know, and then this article comes out, and it's like, oh, oh well, okay, you're mm, you're actually wrong. Right. He, he's actually that guy. Um, 
<laughs> it's crazy. But, yeah, one quick thing, just kind of talking about head coaching generates candidates in general. And, and like you said, like, I'm on the I'm in the boat of maximizing Deshaun Watson. I think you are too with, with your article about how he needs his Phil Jackson, right? And to me, that comes with an offensive-minded coach. I think that's how you're kind of going to build your identity. I think the identity of this team needs to be around Deshaun Watson. Like, this team has had no identity for I don't know how long, really. Yeah. Um, and so I think an offensive coach will preach that. I think – so for me, it's – if I had to give you, like, a, a quick top five, and I'll ask you for yours after, but I think my quick top five is, is still enemy, Robert Sala, then Matt Eberflus, Brian Dabble, and then I got Brandon Staley, the Rams DC, as my fifth. It's kind of my, my quick top five. And, and you know, it's, a, it's fluid rankings. Not a whole lot of gaps between the guys. And it'll probably change between now and, and when the coach is hired. But that's that's where I'm at right now. How about you? Yeah, I would say five. One would be Brady for me. Ultimate risk type of coach um, and that you hope just pays off. I think ultimately for me is kind of why I'm looking at him. Uh, two, I would probably go um, Eberflus. And I think more of that has to do with the fact that the likelihood Dodds would, would join him. I think Dodds coming is probably the more appealing aspect of it. Yep. Um, then I'd probably go Salah. Then I'd go Dabble. And then I'd go Eric Bieniemy. Damn, damn. All right. Do you have a dark horse candidate, or is your dark horse kind of Joe Brady? You know, Schottenheimer is an interesting name. Um, yeah. I don't know if I'd call him a dark horse candidate because I don't know how much to really buy into Schottenheimer. Um, yeah. You know, you look at what he's done uh, with Russell Wilson this year. Uh, it's it's peaks and valleys. It's it's not really consistency. Um, I'm not looking for that again. You know, we've we've been down that path too. We we know exactly what the peaks and valleys looks like, yep. and, and I'd, I'd prefer consistency over all of that. I'd rather consistently score 27, 28. And sometimes put up 48, but then also put up seven against the New York Giants. So, um, ultimately, you know, I, I think it's interesting. He, he looks, you know, he looks fun. Um, what's up, Sinister? Um, and I, I guess if that's a path that we go down, you know, whatever. But he's not like a dark horse candidate that I want to hire. I think it's a dark horse candidate that people, even though Adam Schefter put out the tweet, I do think it's somebody that. Um, likely has a uh, a line to that head coaching position. Yeah, I think that one was just it was just his agent really trying to get his name out there, trying to make sure that other teams like here, okay, Texans are interested, maybe I should be interested too. I think that's really where the Schottenheimer hype has come from. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Dark Horse? Dark Horse, he's in my top five, but Brandon Staley, I think he's kind of my Joe Brady um, because he he's a one year defensive coordinator, he's inexperienced, but and he, people call him Sean McVay, like Sean McVay's defensive Sean McVay, right? He's even, I read an article about him saying that Sean McVay, when he, when he interviewed him, he saw, he saw himself in him. He saw all the qualities that he and other people talk about that make Sean McVay so, so um, successful. And so I'm with you. I hear you. All the things that you're saying about Joe Brady, like you need a young guy. He's going to have a high potential. Yeah, he might have some struggles at first, but this is a guy that you're not going to have next cycle. Right. So I, I'm with you and, and I see that in Staley. And so I see the combination of those qualities. And I also see the combination of his scheme is revolutionary. He is doing things that no other DC is doing. He's learned from Vic Fangio and they are, they're playing. I'm, I don't want to get into the specifics of it because it takes too long and too much time to kind of do it justice. But I really like the creative things that he's doing over there. And he's someone who separates his X's and O's 
from just the talent that's on the Rams defense as opposed to kind of what Robert Sala is doing and how I said that he's not able to do that. So I'm really excited about Staley, but I don't think they're going to end up hiring him. Interesting. Um, He's been coaching since 2006, so he has uh, 14 years of coaching. Uh, Fangio, definitely with the Bears. He was that uh, outside linebackers coach. Then also with with Fangio again in, in the Broncos. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. Um, he has more. He has way more of a coaching experience than Joe Brady. Yeah, I just meant as a pure coordinator. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. He's yeah. just uh, just looking at it, and that's a, that's an interesting one. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna I'll, I'll look more into that one. Awesome. Uh, all right. Into, yeah. Q and A. Perfect. Let's do it. All right, you guys can always hit me on Twitter. At Texans underscore thoughts. Love answering y'all questions. Oh, I got I got one of my DMs first. I got to get to that one. My boy, Louis Orta, slid in the DMs. <laughs> um, he oh. says, do y'all see Cal letting Jack Easterby, sorry, Joke Easterby, stay till the season ends, then making the fire, or is he here to stay? Um, seeing different takes on that. So what's happening with Joke, man? Is he Is he going to be fired at the end of the season? So there should be an article coming out, or there's there's murmurs of an article coming out um, here in the next week or two that that could potentially bury Jack Easterby Oof. in a way that most people wouldn't. A lot of it has to do with um, racial uh, things that have happened in the building um, and yeah. to media. So it's all about if that person actually puts out the article, um, but. You know, it's it's kind of like a Pat Stat type situation. Is somebody willing to fall on that sword? And um, so, you know, honestly, I think Jack Easterby will be fired. Um, I think that they right now, even though they're getting a ton of nightmare PR around Jack Easterby, I also think that it's it's a thing where. I think it's a thing where they they don't want to react and they don't want to they don't want to look like they're making a decision because of the media. Um, and then I also think that you know they've fired so many people this year that who's left in the building? You know, does it matter right now? I don't know. You know, probably not. You know, who are you going to go bring in right now to really get yeah. through these next three games? It's probably not that imperative to have him in the building. And it's not like he's very good at evaluating talent. Um, but I, 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 I would like to – I'm leaning towards the fact that Jack Easterby will be fired at some point. Yeah, I'm kind of leading there too. That's that's what I want. That's what we all want. And I hope that dude publishes the article. I hope, I hope, I hope we get to see that. But um, for me, it, it kind of all comes down to if Cal McNair, if he's learned his lesson, has he learned his lesson with Bill O'Brien? You know, Bill O'Brien, he, he amassed all this power despite not really showing that he was worthy of that. And Cal took too long to fire him. People say he should have been fired after that Colts loss in the playoff game. Definitely should have been lost after fired after that Chiefs loss in the next playoff game. He waited too long, and it, and it really hurt the team. And so will he make the same mistake with Joe Keesterby? That's the thing. Like, has has Cal learned from his mistakes? And, and we've never seen anything from Cal to, to want to believe that he has learned, right? Like, this is a man who we all say is not, like, actually set out to be a football owner. So I don't know. I don't have a lot of confidence in it happening, but 
hopefully hopefully you're right. If the article comes out, there's no way that he can not be fired. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Let's move on to the rest of the questions. First one from Anthony Meyer. He says, what, if anything, are y'all interested in seeing these last couple of games? What are we watching for? Young guys, young guys, young guys. You know, uh, I want to see more Coulter. Uh, I want to see more Kiki. I want to see more John Reed. I want to see – we better be seeing more Russ Blacklock now. Um, I want to see more Grenard. Um, and then – I want to continue to see the Zach Tyrell chemistry build. Um, I want to see more AJ Moore. I, I really do. I want to see more AJ Moore. I really like AJ Moore as a player. I think with the right coach, he could be that number two safety. He's shown so much potential from the time that he's been with this team. Uh, I, I think that I think that it. He can be a guy that you could have. Chan Hansen for sure, Patrick. I definitely think that's another guy. I don't know about wide receiver one, but I'll definitely take him as a as a wide receiver on there. I don't want to see Kali where he step on the field. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it for me. You know, uh, I can't think of any other players that are really worth. I'd like to see Dylan Cole get some snaps at linebacker. He hasn't played any linebacker. Um, I'd like to see him do, you know, do something on the field, but that's really what we should be looking for. You know, this secondary is trash. Like there's nobody to look at in the secondary. Uh, There's no one to even consider watching to outside of John Reed that you really want to see in the secondary. So those are the guys that I would watch. That's what I'd look for. Um, You know, Tim Kelly's being, um, you know, outside of Sunday, the Tim Kelly experience has been a lot better than I expected it to be not saying he's the answer. I'm not saying that he should be kept, but the fact that, I mean, Deshaun is advocating for him to be a part of the future of the coaching staff. So um, that's very telling to me. Yeah. I'm with you. And just to give a couple more names, I think there's still some, like now that we're listing them all off, like there are, there are still some guys to watch. I think Lonnie Johnson, you want to see his development at safety. Mm -hmm. Is he a building block for the future? Who knows? We think so, but. Let's see that he continued to progress. Same with Charles Omenahu. Um, of course, Jacob Martin. Those are guys on the defense that, you know, they're young. They're cheap capital. You want to see them improve. You want to see what players you can get out of them, potential starters, or are they just role players, right? That's what you want to see on defense. Um, I think on offense, for me, yeah, like you said, Chad Hansen, Kiki QT, um, Scotty Phillips, hopefully. Hopefully Scotty Phillips can get some snaps. Maybe Buddy Howell continues to show out. He was probably one of the lone bright spots of that Bears game. He did decently. He ran hard, ran with good cutting ability. Um, like what I saw out of him. Uh, the last guy, and this is your guy, Jordan Aikens. You know, we, we, we love Jordan Aikens. And you said it, he's tight end one. But he's kind of had an inconsistent season. And I'd really love for him to, to finish strong. You know, be that guy that we, we thought he was going to be. Finish strong, be consistent, catch the ball, make plays in the open field, and yeah, he's my last guy. He was that guy before he got hurt, and then once he got hurt, and since he came back, he has not been the same player. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I think the injury has something to do with it. I think, I think it kind of affects the entire team. It's it's the losing effect. It's the knowing that hey, we we might not be here next year, right? When you when you look at teams that are in this position when they're in a losing season, like sometimes they'll still play their heart out because they want to play for their teammates, they want to play for each other. Like these are some of their best friends, right? But when you're also in a position where the GM's gone, you don't know if your ass is going to be back. You don't know if your teammate's going to be back. 
And so it, it takes some of the some of the fun and some of the love and passion out of the game as well. So maybe that's another thing hampering Jordan Aikens. Yeah. All right. Next one from Barry Allen. Is it important for D4 to stay in a spread offense, or do you think he could adapt to a West Coast style and still play at a high level? Yeah, we covered this kind of already, but I want him. Ideally, he's still in a spread offense. Ideally, you play to his strengths. You don't ask him to have to learn and adapt to a new system. However, he's totally capable of doing it. There's no reason he can't. I just think that he's already so good at one thing. Why kind of take away from that if you don't have to? I think the thing that we've really seen him take a huge leap in this year is reading the defense. And when you're talking about the differences between a spread offense going five wide just out of shotgun and going under center, one of the things is, is reading defenses pre and post snap. And because when you're when you're in shotgun, you get to see the full picture of the defense, the entire play. Nothing changes from pre to post pre to post snap because your eyes are on the field the entire time, so you can see whatever's moving. But when you're under center and you take that snap and you take your drop back, there's those two or three seconds where you're like faking the handoff to the running back, you're running back where your back is to the where your back is to the field. And so those two seconds they can change the picture of the defense so immensely. And it changes your reads, it changes your progressions, how quickly you can go through that stuff. And so I just think Deshaun has already mastered reading the defense through the spread shotgun scheme. Um, and it'll take a little bit of adjusting with that. And I just don't want to have to put him through that. But what are your thoughts on that? I want to see him in an empty scheme. That's just me, though. Yep. He's a killer out of empty. There's no reason for him not to be under uh, playing in empty. I think he's the number one ranked quarterback when playing in empty. He just sees the field a lot better. Uh, he's a lot quicker when it comes to making his decisions when he's playing out empty. Um, I, I think ultimately that's 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 the path that we should be going. Um, but I won't rule out another another scheme. Great, great. All right, next one from Michael George. Should they rest the Sean for the rest of the season because there's nothing left to salvage a season because there's nothing left to play for this season and you don't want Deshaun getting hurt when they have nothing to play for. And also, do you see them moving Jack Easterby? So we covered that Easterby part already. <laughs> Easterby, that's a, that's a good one. Um, yeah, they should 100% be sitting Deshaun Watson the rest of the season. There is no no reason that they should be playing Deshaun Watson. There's nothing to play for, like you said. Um, and it all it takes is one play. One play, one fluke play at that, too. It's not even just about like Deshaun protecting himself and getting the ball out quickly to avoid sacks. This man tore his ACL in practice. We got to learn from that. And that can happen to anybody. That doesn't matter how talented you are. It's a fluke play like that. That could happen any time of the game. And so I don't think it's worth it to risk your entire franchise. The entire reason why head coaches and GMs want to come, want to come here and, and work for us is the Sean Watson. So don't risk that. Could, like, could you imagine what our season would be next year without him? Like, we're screwed. Just write it off. I don't even want to watch the games. So there's no point in playing him, in my opinion. Uh, um... As you badly know, as he wants to play, right? Because obviously he wants to play. Yeah. Should should we bench him? Yeah. From a business perspective, it's it's the it's the best decision to be made for this team. You definitely bench him. But at the end of the day, who Deshaun is as a quarterback and a player and a person, I don't care if Cal tells him himself. I don't care if he takes him out to Morton's again to have another conversation. And that is because they want to sit him. They are not going, he's not going to let you take him out of the game. Yep. It's just not going to happen. And so it's a mute point because he, he already told you guys he's not coming out. That's not it. 
That's what he gets paid to do. That's what he's going to do. I understand it from a fan's perspective. Uh, I totally understand that, you know. But at the end of the day, like, these guys are ultimate competitors. Like, I know for a fact Kobe wouldn't pull himself out of a game, no matter what. And so I kind of put Deshaun in that tier, and uh, I I would expect him to, to just be there every game. Yeah, I think the only game he's going to end up sending out is Week 17, but it is what it is. All right, next one from I'm okay then. Do you think we'll see anything from our rookies, Coulter, Phillips, etc., over the last few days, or will they continue to be dumb? Will they continue to be dumb? I I honestly think they will. <laughs> There's nothing that they've shown us that they make smart decisions, whether it's playing the right guys, whether it's talent evaluation, nothing. So why would that change now? Like, yes, now we're mathematically eliminated and before we had a 0.000001 chance sure now things have changed but if you listen to the quotes and the pressers of Romeo Cornell of Tim Kelly they act like they still got something to play for (laughs) and so I don't know if they didn't get the memo or what but there's nothing to play for and so you got to play your young guys and I, I wish they would see that like we all do there's nothing else to say yeah there's really not all right, last one here from David OZ961. Do you think Will Fuller's suspension in any way affects the Texans' interest in re-signing him? No. No, not at all. Especially with um, the recent report that – I forget who. Was it Benjamin Albright? Yep. Yeah, Benjamin Albright said that uh, A.J. Boye also got suspended for PEDs, and it's it's kind of come out that Fuller – Boye and Roby all went to the same guy, and it makes sense. They're all in their time in Houston. And they and Benjamin even went further to say that they were essentially, I don't remember the exact wording, but they were essentially lied to by someone they trusted. And so when you look at it that way, you really can't fault Fuller and Roby that much because if they 100% thought that it was fine, if they were told that it was fine, right, it takes away some of that some of that blame. And so I think – with the fact that if you compound that with the fact that Deshaun Watson is is putting his he he's putting his foot down, he wants Will Fuller. He's not going to play without Will Fuller. Okay, okay, he didn't say that, but you know what I mean. Um, I think they have to bring Will Fuller back for sure. I just don't see a world where no matter what Will Fuller has done, it's going to matter. <laughs> like he's so impactful and such a menace that, like the way he wrecks game game plans on opposing defenses. It's just incredible. There's no way that you're going to be able to replicate that with anybody, and he, he's the number one wide receiver. So what's going to happen is they're either going to, they're going to franchise him. That's not really the only path that they can go. You can't sign him long-term because you just don't know. It's too risky. And I would assume he'll like to be franchised as well because it gives him kind of like a one-year prove-it deal. Yep. He makes $15 million. And he also has a year to show that he's worth a long-term contract. That gives the Texans front office the ability to make moves to be able to sign him to a long-term contract um, uh, after the 2021 season. And I think that I, I just don't see uh, a scenario where he's not on this team next year. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. All right, that's it for the questions. Thank you all for, for hitting me up. Always appreciate you all. Yeah, absolutely. And, Jordan, thank you so much for filling in for John over the last couple of weeks. Really appreciate it. It's been fun talking to you. Um and all that great stuff. You're the man. Um, I look forward to all the articles coming too as well. So make sure you guys are, uh, go to Texans Thoughts on YouTube. 
hit that like and subscribe button for Jordan. Ooh, Make sure you guys actually. Actually. what I got. I got. Oh, we got we got two dollars in the hey. chat. Hey, thank you, Michael Moan. Michael Moan. Make me moan. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Two dollars. I hope Jack takes that. But news for the for the website. I got this next three weeks, and it's gonna yeah. be. I'm gonna be basically focusing on on all NFL draft stuff. So if you like draft stuff, this is the time for you. I'm gonna be putting out a bunch of scouting reports, players, all positions. Um, I Texans draft needs really everything, and so that's that's gonna be. I'm gonna try and do a whole lot of that, and and hopefully hopefully we'll. we'll succeed yeah what else is going on with the coaching stuff are you going to be doing that once a week too it depends so basically the way i've been doing it is like whenever we have one of these games that nobody wants to talk about nobody wants to recap no one cares about the film no one cares about what happened in the game then then i'll go out and, and i'll say okay yeah this is the, <laughs> we want, this is the gm we want you know yeah. i got we can't we can't be talking about the bears all damn week no one wants to see that we get that no, so um okay. next time we we lay an egg We'll we'll get my number three head coach candidate, and then we'll talk. Hey, eight coming <laughs> Sunday. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, well, make sure you guys go to uh, TexansUnfiltered.com. Uh, Check out all the articles and things that we're uh, working on. Jordan's working on. Jair's working on. Myself at times. Um, make sure you guys hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast uh, platform on YouTube. Hit that like button. Uh, leave a comment on Apple. Uh, tell a friend. Share the news of the number one Texans podcast that you guys enjoy listening to. We're going to be here throughout the entire offseason. We're here every week, no matter how bad it gets. Uh, and, and that's because we know that you guys want to hear it. And that's what we're here for. So with that being said, I'm James signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We'll catch you guys next week. Bet online. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you could still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire. All one word, bet online, your online sports book experts.